Welcome to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up guys? It's JK3. Uh, Down by the Bank is also sponsored by Big Baller Brand. Stay in your lane. Big Baller Brand. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You are a hater. No, no. H-E double hockey. No, not them three fool, four fool. I feel sorry for them kids, man. Their father's an absolute crazy, crazy person. So, no. So you wouldn't take that endorsement deal if we got it? No, I wouldn't take Big Brand. No. And and I hope that his son doesn't flop in the NBA because we need they need more talent in the NBA because it's definitely the league is watered down. But that dude does not shut up, man. I think LeVar Ball right now is the funniest person in America. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I will be the first person that will like if I know that he's doing an interview, I will front load my workday to make sure that I listen it to it or like watch it on Twitter. He is absolutely hilarious. Uh, Derek said he saw it. Did you ever see his uh, comeback video to Ice Cube? Uh, wait, I didn't see it, but I saw the, I saw the brick. Yeah, when he shot it, and it was you could obviously tell it was a brick. Such but a he sold it. Yeah, such a dork. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't. First of all, it's recorded video. You can go back and do it again. Like, if you know you didn't make it the first time, you know what I mean. So. It sounded like he threw the ball at a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> da doom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, we are not sponsored by uh, Big Baller Brand. Uh, Stay in your lane t-shirts now available in women's uh, apparel. Um, but uh, we are sponsored by Brewers Pizza, so definitely check them out. A uh, couple things we're going to talk about, and we'll end the podcast with a uh, interview that we did with Sean Childs from Scout.com, just to talk a little bit of Jaguars fantasy football projections. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Blake Bortles, OTAs, and kind of some of the Jaguars stuff that's been going on the last couple weeks. So just to kind of get into it, and Derek, you and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand. I uh, didn't, you know, I don't traditionally follow OTAs too closely just because it's you know not not too much newsworthy stuff going on for the most part but like what were your takeaways you know what what were the biggest things that uh you you could probably say came about from otas well you know coughlin came out and said that Bortles mechanics are improving i'll believe it when i see it in september uh you know hopefully he got rid of that that uh long wind up uh that he kind of developed last season that wasn't there in the second season so, and some footwork, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, that's, that's, that's coaching stuff, you know, as a, as a fan, casual fan, fan that, you know, may know a little bit, fan that thinks they know a lot, you know, or, uh, it, it, still, we won't know until September, but at least they know they're talking about it and they're trying to address the situation. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. JK3, are you buying into the hype from the gifs that, uh, the Jaguars Twitter account puts up with that new throwing motion? Absolutely not. No, not. <laughs> absolutely not. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I hate to, to, to be a pessimist and, you know, and, and just be this negative Nancy. But, you know, I, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I just can't. I, I literally cannot because, you know, the year that we were 5-11, and 11, oh, the Jaguars are on the up and up. And then what happened? This elongated motion came out of nowhere. Um, we had – Football is being thrown at the ground, but we're turning into interceptions somehow. Uh, it, it, until that changes, right now, the only thing that I have to go off 
off of Blake is, is last year. And last year, before the four games where, uh, or the couple games where Bradley wasn't the coach, I'm talking about the entire year. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic, I guess, just blindly, just because those video clips are pretty cool, to be honest with you. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I figure the season uh, that he worked in California and did all the, the special prep work with uh, Tom House and all those guys this is the season that he threw the most touchdowns. So I seem to think that that correlation uh, probably would work again with even more weapons now. But who knows? One thing that definitely uh, I think it was today, actually, you may have mentioned this already. Didn't Coughlin mention something about uh, his analysis on the, the, the throwing motion and how, you know, what kind of progress he's made and everything? Yeah, he did. And, you know, it's keep that same throwing motion when you got somebody bearing down on you and you got to throw that that deep comeback route or you got to throw that deep crossing route and throw it so you don't leave your receiver hung out to dry. That's what I want to see. I mean, he, he better the throwing motion and everything better look good right now. I mean, it, they're they're in literally shorts and jerseys and helmets, and you know it's a seven on seven drill is what it's looking like basically. So if he doesn't look good against air, he's definitely not gonna gonna look good with you know JJ Watt breathing down his neck. He's definitely not gonna look good when the Legion of Boom runs into town, uh, you know, late in the season. So it's really good that he's starting to look good now and the, the motions are, 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 are fixed now, but you know, it is just air. So, I mean, and it's OTAs, you know, what, what can you, what can you take away from it? Right. Uh, shifting gears a little bit to uh, the linebacker position. As I saw a video that gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of optimism on the defensive side with Miles Jack, basically, uh, you know, just talking about how, how helpful, you know, puzzlesny has been and, how much of a role model and a leader he's been in learning that new position, um, even correcting him on the field during practice. So, I mean, I don't think we had any doubt that Puzlesny was going to handle that situation as a professional, but uh, what kind of optimism do you guys have with Miles Jack going into this season, taking over that new role just through OTAs? The D isn't bad. I mean, we're, we're talking about a top 10 defense last year. I mean, you know, the, the defense isn't the issue on the team. You know, and if there's more optimism on one side of the ball, if you know, if you want to place it that way, it'll it'll be in the defense. It's gotten stronger. It's gotten younger. It's gotten faster. You know, it's all about putting players in position to make plays. JK3 mentioned younger, stronger, faster. So hopefully, we get someone on third down when Puzz is off the field. They can make sure that the guys are in place, whether if it's Miles Jack, whether if it's Telvin, you know, we won't know. But that's what I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Telvin voice some concerns during uh, OTAs about, you know, they're not, you know, not where they need to be. And I'm glad that someone actually said something, you know, because especially if that's supposed to be the strong part of our team and it's not, you know, that, that that's, it's not a concern. It's OTAs now. Come on. You know, you got to be clean it up now before you can't clean it up. So what do you attribute that to, though? Do you think it was just a, a, a situation where they just weren't as prepared and so they were getting burned by the offense? Does it mean the offense is really good or does it mean the Jags defense just isn't where it needs to be yet? Those are just, you know, those are just the things that we don't know. It's, it's fans, you know, media, no one's going to, you know, people are going to try and find out and speculate and, and all this other, you know, mumbo jumbo that you see on, you know, from posts and articles and so forth. But something's not right. And lead it in me and the most passionate guy on the team 
pretty much is saying something's not right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the the way that you know OTAs have been, you know, so tight lipped and so sealed, and you know, respected members of the Jaguars press have have been able to go, you know, and, and take a look, but they haven't been able to kind of tell what's been going on. From what I take from everything and the context clues that I've been reading through is that they're using this OTA time right now as an installation period, uh, you know, some bonus time, some some time where, you know, they're, they're going to do some things on the defense and where things need to be installed right now. And if you're not getting it right when it's just, you know, the seven-on-seven seven drills or if you're not in the right place where you're supposed to be when there's no real blocking or no real contact, then you're not going to be in the place come September. You're not going to be in the place when it needs to be at the time. And and I can respect Telvin for, you know, going out and, and showing his dis, dis you know, his his, his dissatisfaction or his, he's not satisfied. I, I can I can definitely agree with him and um, you know, understand it. He should be pissed. He re- he really should be. Who's going to take over that role, Derek, in terms of the overall leader of the defense? Is it going to be Telvin or is it is Miles Jack going to kind of, you know, fill that position? No, because there's some guys on the team. You can't have the twenty, you know, twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old. I mean, he's a he's a great athlete. He's a uh, he's going to be, a, you know, has the potential to be an incredible player in this league. But you got to have the guy that's not afraid to be the constant professional. But then, you know, pull you aside and say, hey, you know, that's still going to be Puzz because he's in the locker room. But I think you know it could shift towards Telvin. You know, I said it a couple years ago. I thought he would be. Uh, one day be the captain of the team once puzzle, you know, he's, he's not, he's not ancient, but he's not getting any younger either. You know, 31, 32, he's getting up there. So, um, it's, it's probably going to be Telvin. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. You know, of course, you know, miles is going to be the, the, the play caller and, you know, make sure everybody's right. You know, that's where his, his, that's where he's going to need to step up. But as far as an emotional leader, there, there isn't very many guys on this team when I see them, get pumped up, it makes me, you know, just, you know, re- ready to go. And, and Telvin does that, man. Telvin lights a fire, and he's by sure, uh, by far, the uh, the emotional leader of the team. Well, one, and I, I, I saw a lot of hype, actually, around a lot of the offensive rookies that we have, but I am still going to hold dear to my heart the fact that I think D.D. Westbrook, you know, off the field issues, whatever aside, is going to be a breakout player. It's just like a gut feeling that I have that that guy is going to end up being a huge steal. Uh, JK3, what do you think? And we talked a little bit uh, to Sean uh, Childs about this from a fantasy perspective in that Westbrook and Marquise Lee are such similar players in their skill set. Um, do you think he you know, breaks out? Does he take away from one guy or the other? Is Marquise Lee the guy that he replaces or competes with, or is he just an additional weapon for, for Blake in the offense? D.D. Westbrook will take the roof off of a defense. I mean, the, the dude is literally lightning in the bottle. Uh, anybody that's, you know, seen some of his, his game tape and seen some of the things that he's done, uh, you know, was a, I mean, he's a Bulletnikoff Award uh, winner. You know, that's the best, uh, you know, uh, I think he won the Bulletnikoff. But I know he was in the Heisman race for a little while. Right. But, I mean, he, he's just an unbelievable uh, athlete. And I think this doesn't necessarily take away from Marquise Lee, I don't think it takes away from anybody um, at all. But like Derek said, you got to put players in position to make plays. He's going to be a playmaker. He's got hands. He's speed. I, I, it's, it's just going to be fun to watch, honestly. If, but it all comes back on if number five can can get it together. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be with 
him having that ability to blow the top off the defense, pushing those safeties back, um, will definitely help us control the clock with the running game. Will help Fournette, and hopefully we find three guys. You know, you definitely have created some competition. Uh, you still got, you know, obviously you got a Rob, you got Hearns, you got Lee, you got Westbrook. A lot of people have written off Green. We'll see. Uh, just like a lot of people wrote off Marquise Lee, you know, you know we'll, we'll see. But you got five guys that, and you've got competition created at the position for them to go out and compete and try and win those jobs. I still say Lee, for some weird reason, I just always have a, a feeling guys that are playing for contracts, they just they just play a little bit harder. Oh yeah, they they, they play a little bit harder. So it's just, it's a known fact. They see money. And they're like, hey, I got to get these yards. I got to get these. I got to get these reps in practice, so I can get this money. And I know a lot of people say, well, you're supposed to love the game of football and passion. Well, unfortunately, football is a business, and some players treat it like a business. Would you guys agree that we have the best wide receiver group in the league at this point? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. As a whole, be- as a whole, everybody. Only because they haven't done anything. They they haven't really, you know, they they haven't really, you know, proved anything. I mean, of course, yeah, Marquise Lee had a great year last year, uh, you know, breakout season last year. But the good receivers find ways to get open. Alan Hearns, I mean, Alan Hearns, for example, he's a good receiver. He found ways to get open. He just went to the hospital every time he he went to go up to catch a ball over the middle. Yeah, but uh, a Rob, those two guys last A-Rod. the season before they were putting up double digit touchdown numbers. No one knew who they were. They were getting double T. They, I mean, it was single coverage. Now look what happens when A-Rob gets uh, a, a press coverage with a safety high. Uh-huh. He goes, it's like an invisibility cloak. I mean, and then, I mean, you, you think Antonio Brown's not getting, you know, covered, double covered. You think um, Odell Beckham's not getting double. Jarvis Landry, you don't think that he's getting double covered? They get open. Mm-hmm. So I guess if that's the case, are we, are you guys saying that you think like for example Allen Robinson, who I thought maybe was a little bit overvalued and a guy that could be a good trading chip or whatnot, uh, just based on the fact that uh, I don't know, he just doesn't seem like a guy that consistently will be able to keep doing what he's doing from an athleticism standpoint. But are we saying that the wide receivers are a little overrated or overvalued or no, they're not overrated put in the right position to make plays. It's so critical. It's more important. You can have a guy that runs a 4-2. Every team has a guy on the team that can run 4-3, maybe even 4-2. How you use them and where you put them is how they become most effective. And that's the same for everybody across the team. We talked about uh, on the last podcast about Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, people making fun of him because he was crying because he hated losing and how he felt like, you know, he had the, the, the shackles on him. He needed to get free. Jalen Ramsey's best when he's man coverage. It's a fact. But if you put him in a, you know, cover three zone and say, hey, just kind of go out there and just kind of hang out. What's he playing for? He's not going to be motivated or you're not using his best strengths, you know, his strengths to your advantage. I think a lot of the, 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 the reason that uh, Marquise Lee had such a great year last year also is because of the attention A-Rob got, uh, you know, from the, you know, the double coverage. Um, 
Hearns Agreed. was taken away a little bit also by maybe a team's, you know, second or third best corner. So Marquise Lee was kind of against maybe a third or fourth string, and he was doing intermediate routes. And for the, the people that are listening, an intermediate route is anywhere, uh, you know, from 7 to 12 yards. So he would maybe run like a 7 to 12, like in or out or something where he's, you know, running across the field and using his speed to get away from a chasing linebacker or his speed to get away from a chasing defender. And, and that's, you know, he got the ball in space. That's why he was being put in those positions. You, you didn't really see him running go routes, uh, you know, a 15-yard comeback. You know, that's where Hearns and, uh, uh, and, and Robinson kind of strive, and, and more, more specifically, uh, Allen Robinson, because he was the, you know, the more technical uh, or, uh, you know, route runner, and Hearns was the one who I think they say he has the best, you know, hands or catching radius. Um, you know, so Marquise Lee was the one who was able to get in space and get open to create the plays. That's why you saw, you know, uh, you know him all over the place last year. You remember, uh, Corey, I don't know if uh, the Rams back in 2001, they won the Super Bowl 2001, greatest show on turf, right? Uh, uh, that or 2000, yeah, one of the two. Yeah, I think, I think it was 2000 or 2001. So they had Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce. Do you remember their third wide receiver? Um, Do you remember his name? I, I know who it is. I'm just saying if you. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I, I can picture, but I can't think of the name. Do you know JK3? No. <laughs> Az- Azar Hakeem. Yeah, yeah, okay. Think, yeah. Where did he, after he left there, he did what? Nothing. But while he was there and everybody was focused on Holt and Bruce, he, you remember, he would catch those deep touchdowns. And so then it became, you know, basically pick your poison. We can't worry about, you know, or after this year, are we going to keep him? No, we got to win now. And that's what they need to do. It's like pick your poison. Use that strength to your advantage. You don't double A-Rob, we're going to the other side of the Hearns. You're going you're gonna to play cover two and stretch him out? Fine, we're going to get Lee and start working the middle. You, you're going to, um, you, you know, they could they could overload one side and put D.D. Westbrook on the other and basically tell him just run. And see yeah. what happens. That's Literally. what JK3 is talking about. Yeah, go just to the run. cotton candy man and turn around. The yeah, ball will be there. <laughs> or, or if you put, and most of the time, and I don't know, that's you know, who, who knows? You get you get a little bit too technical here. But if you put three receivers on one side, so let's say you put Lee, Hearns, A. Rob on one side, trips left. Put Westbrook on the right side. Okay, are they going to go man or zone? More than likely, they're going to go man. Okay, they could go zone, but more than likely they they may go man, and it depends on if he have a safety back there. And if there's no safety back there, if Bortles is reading it right, it's basically one on one. And we're talking about a rookie here, so we don't know, but the potential is there. Yeah, I but think that's what we're saying. But none of this happens unless you establish the run. Mm-hmm. None of it happens unless you establish the run. That's it. Fournette's got to be the Fournette, you know, who we think he's going to be. Uh, they they got to figure out what they're going to do with. Uh, what, what do you think they're going to do with the with the uh, with the left tackle situation? I don't know. The thing with Albert's just really weird at this point. I don't really understand what the holdup is, and I and evidently 
what was it that they said that his agent? I said I get I guess that the Jags were gonna sign him to a new deal as soon as he uh, was traded to the team, and then now Dave Caldwell's come out and said no, that was absolutely not the case, and it was just media rumors. I guess he's a thirty-two-year-old left tackle. He needs to come up off of it. Okay, thirty-two years old. Well, Cal- That's the first. Well, Caldwell thing. came out and straight up said, "No, we were literally not giving you a new contract." <laughs> it reminded me, and that's what. Yeah, it remind. Do you remember when Maurice Jones Drew was trying to get that uh, extension a long time back when Shad Khan like first got on the team and they just flat out refused to do it? Uh, it reminded me of that situation, just on how like absolute they were in that press conference, just to say that it's not going to happen. I, I am. You know, everyone's been, you know, saying we have the line, we have the pieces, and, you know, now we just got to find some continuity. I'm kind of like, I don't know about all that. I really don't. Um, They need to definitely look at all five positions. And I say all five. We know Linder's there. We just don't know where. Because, you know, I still don't like that move for him to center. But, you know, we'll see what chemistry he has with Bortles. Um, and then once you find five guys, get them to have good chemistry and communication with Bortles so you can help him pick out weaknesses in the defense that they're playing. That's how all the, that's how all the great teams do it. JK3, so Cam Robinson at left tackle then we're thinking? I mean, as much as I, as much as I, I you know, this is, this is a coin flip for me. You know, I, I, take, I, I think about it like this. He's a rookie coming into the league. This is his first year, first game. He's going to have the pleasure of blocking J.J. Watt or Jadavion Clowney or Whitney Merciless coming from a stunt or, you know, any any one of those guys from Houston, Texas. You know, that's a tall glass to fill. On the flip side of that, we're talking about a kid who literally came in as a true freshman for Alabama and started. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of in between where I want to go with this. And and I know that that's not, you know, not really the best analogy, but I think what I'm trying to just, you know, kind of articulate is that if he can get in and be a book in, a book in, uh, you know, uh, left, left, left tackle, then let him go, let him make his mistakes. Yeah. He's going to make his mistakes or whatever and everything else like that. But then again, if his pancake blocks and his, his kickout blocks, if his foot, his feet work look great and everything else like that, let him play. Yeah. If not, I, we got a problem because that's the blind side. <laughs> so, and remember, Clowney's knee injury is no longer existent. So he's having, he had a standout year and J.J. Watt's coming back off that back surgery. So you got two guys they're going to put on each end. And with Watt, they put him everywhere. So they could put both of them on the same side. I mean, they wouldn't do that, but you know, they could be, you know, be creative and do something like that. Yeah. That's I mean, a problem. He does, catch, he, he does catch touchdown passes, also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you like if, if the Texans, you know, and that's what it's about. It's about creativity. If the Texans stand one of them up and put the other down and put them next to each other, and then at the last minute change things up, you know, it'll be like deer in the headlights. We wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. I wonder how easy it is for you know how like when a lot of times a team will sign a quarterback or a receiver and they've got to spend time to pick up the playbook and everything like that. I wonder how difficult it is and what kind of learning curve, how behind he'll be compared to Robinson for Albert to show up late. 
So in other words, can he jump in there as a left tackle with, you know, already having NFL experience and be able to pick right up? Um, or is Robinson going to have a legitimate heads up in the competition just based on the fact that he's physically there? I, I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have, uh, have a heads up. I mean, you know, he doesn't have the intangibles and like the tricks of the trade that a veteran, you know, you know, like Albert does have. But one thing that he, he that he, he he's coming from is he's coming from Bama. And I keep harping on that because Bama's the closest thing to an NFL ready football team in college. I mean, you know, you got a couple other places that run like a pro style offense and, and, and that that get that kind of respect. But in my opinion, I think offensive tackle uh, and center are pro- Offensive tackle and center are um, probably two of the hardest positions to play in uh, in football. From the center, you got to know just as many plays as the quarterback does. But then, as an offensive tackle, you've got to be able to read stunts. You've got to be able to read line protection. You've got to be able to call gap protection. You've got to know when uh, another uh, you know a double team is coming. You've got to know the snap count on top of that also, and then watch for someone who's coming and you know how the defense can just move all over the place and then anticipate that, that, uh, that, that, that bull rush that's coming. Yeah. By the way, I've got this bleacher report article up on Albert. Um, 2016, the worst season of Albert's career based on PFF grades ranked 65th out of 78 and eligible tackles. He's been, he's missed, um, how many games? Just in a crazy amount of games. 20 games in the last five seasons and injuries. And he is owed $8.8 million in 2017. What is this guy trying to get a new contract for? Uh, it's business. I mean, but <laughs> like what leverage does he have, right? I mean, is there any leverage after they took Robinson? I don't see any the, leverage. The, the leverage is our line stinks and we have more than one hole to fill. I guess. I don't know. I mean, that just seems kind of crazy. And remember, the, we we got him before they were able to get Cam Robinson. Yeah, so true. that that plays a lot into it. They just, you know, it, Albert apparently has done this before, where he's just not, you know, volunteer, you know, gone to any of the OETAs or volunteer workouts and just showed up for training camp. They don't know what probably don't know what type of shape he is in or anything, but that's just that just reminds you of, you know, it kind of, it kind of scares me a little bit because Coughlin's supposed to be, you know, running the team and, you know, Caldwell's the, you know, supposed to be the GM or whatnot. And you got a guy that's not willing to be, you know, be a team player. So what are, what are, what are you supposed to do? You know, you got to find five guys that can block, that can, you know, read defenses, that can adjust to audibles, that can help the quarterback out. Hopefully, open up some running lanes for Fournette. Before we go, we're going to talk about Dante Fowler really quick. Uh, there was some information that was passed on about Coach Marone and some comments he made. Uh, there, of course, there were some gaps that were weren't filled in about the comments. What, what do you think? What do you think, Corey? What do you think about those those comments from Coach Marone? Well, one thing I thought was a little funny, just in, in kind of reading a little bit about Fowler coming into OTAs, is there's actually a, 
uh, kind of a line from Jeremy Bergman from NFL.com where it, it mentions Fowler saying he was ready to turn it loose after sitting out his rookie year and then the result not being so great. So I don't know. I mean, I think that the thing with Fowler that the impression I get is that maybe he's a lot of talk and not action. So he's a guy that's like really big into the hype and, and talking a big game, but doesn't really like let it out on the field and in and, and practice and, and just enter general work ethic. It's hard for me to criticize a guy who came back from that bad injury and played the entire season, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's really working out with the, the mindset for that guy. Man, I, I just don't get like, it, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like one game. He's literally getting ran upfield by an offensive tackle. The next game, he's playing the run great, and you know they're closing off cutback lanes and you know, making great tackles downfield. The next game, he's literally fifteen yards down, trying to uh, fifteen yards downfield, trying to tackle somebody out of bounds. So I, I mean, it, it's just a toss up. I mean, but I, you know, that his, his inconsistent gameplay. And his mental errors are kind of outweighing him right now. So it's not even really. So you guys would say it's not even like an like he's not a bad athlete, obviously, even with the injury. But it's just strictly mental, I guess. And so is like, is that something that they can actually work on with him, or is is he kind of like just drifting? Because to me, it's hard to justify his poor performance with where he was drafted mm-hmm. versus a guy like Injakwe. uh, who just you know came right in and did exactly what we thought Fowler would do. Well, part of the reason why Calais Campbell's on the team, constant professional. You never heard any quirky or crazy things about Calais Campbell. He just went in and did his job when he was at Arizona. Hopefully some of that rubs off on Fowler. And you're right. With Yannick coming in, man, and was it eight and a half sacks? Right. I mean, I know that's not like lights out leading the league, but that's eight and a half more sacks than we would have had. Yeah, team rookie record. So, yeah, you would think that that would be enough motivation for him to sharpen up those tools. And then maybe that's what he said. You know, there's a lot of uh, articles, speculation, you know, um, Twitter tough guys that think they know everything. Um, that, you know, oh, this is what Marone's comments meant. No, no, we don't know. Yeah. Okay, we, we don't know. All right. Um, but what we do know is this. Here's the evidence. Yannick had eight and a half sacks. He was a rookie. Fowler had he didn't have that many sacks. <laughs> yeah. And the Jags obviously by signing Calais Campbell, they felt they needed to address a uh, pass rush situation. Right. And also drafting uh, uh, Smoot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you you picked up a guy in free agency. You drafted another defensive end. So it's almost like uh, you're at, you're at your job and you just had your review. And you walk into your boss's office, and he's like, "Hey, man, we uh, we we didn't like your production, so we went out and got a couple more pieces." Now, with Coughlin, you can never have too many defensive ends, right? Uh, remember when he was with the Giants, they would take out the tackles, and on third down, just have four defensive ends because he wanted to drop back seven in coverage and say, "All right, three or four guys, go put pressure on the quarterback." So that could be it too. You you never know. But that's what we do know is 
they brought in more uh, more ammo for the fight. So right, and I definitely agree with you. I mean, in all sincerity, I have no idea. You know what what could be going on. I mean, and like you said with Marone, who knows? I mean, it's, you know, seriously though, I really want him to do well. Obviously, I mean, he's definitely uh, he could potentially be a big fan favorite, and he's a guy that I'd like to see succeed after the difficulties he's had. But um, I think your biggest point that's that's pretty huge is bringing in a guy like Campbell. Uh, that influence with Malik Jackson, uh, that should that should help. So hopefully uh, having the young guys like Fowler and Smoot and, and Jockway uh, kind of learning from those guys will, uh, you know, help us in the long term. I kind of feel like Marone is going to tell you what he's thinking. I don't think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with that guy, um, you know, especially when, you know, they were making some uh, changes on the offensive line and, you know, uh, I guess it was a big thing to you know, move a couple players around on the offensive line, but he's like, it's OTAs. I'm going to do it now instead of doing it in the middle of the season or doing it during actual training camp. Mm-hmm. I might as well, you know, try everybody out at the positions that, they, that we're lining them up now and, and see what we got, do your due diligence. So, uh, I mean, I think he's kind of a, you know, a nonsense. He's going to tell you what he's thinking, you know, kind of guy. And he, the comments that he made about Dante – are probably literally the con are, are probably how he feels about Dante. It's like, Hey man, we drafted you. You, you got a pass, you know, you understand that you, you know, you tore your ACL and everything else like that, that, that does happen. You had your bounce back season, but then again, you can't be tackling guys outside of, you know, 15 yards down the field. You can't get these personal fouls. You can't, you know, get these, just these tic tac things that are just killing us mentally. Your mental errors are literally, putting us in positions to lose ball games. Right. Well, we'll have to see how it plays out. And, um, you know, I think with all sincerity, I know that we're all kind of rooting for him to do well and, and you know, fix it because obviously we want to see the defense play really well. Um, any final thoughts on OTAs or just anything else going on with the Jags before we uh, play the uh, Sean Childs interview? Um, just what you said. Hopefully he's able to fix it. Because that'll be one less player that we have to draft next season, you know, or next draft. Uh, just like Bortles, we we would love to see him do well, go out and have a, a, a breakout campaign, a second breakout campaign, and be able to put together a solid season. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully Calais Campbell helps them out and uh, they, they get some consistency, not just physically but also mentally on the line. Because there's nothing better than having a defense that plays well and doesn't make too many mistakes. That's when you know you're really good on defense. All right. Well, uh, and hopefully, by, I don't know if the completed construction date for the indoor practice facilities in time for training camp or not. I think I read it was because um, I know the amphitheater's uh, rolling now, which is cool. And, and again, such an awesome job they did and crazy how quick that thing went up. But uh, hopefully by the time training camp starts, too, we'll have the indoor facility because I'm definitely looking forward to not getting completely burned and drenched in sweat watching uh, training camp. So I, I would like to put it on record. Uh, shout out to the Daily's Place for bringing Nas and Lauren Hill. I take back everything I said about kids' box. <laughs> and I, I'm so so upset with that. The the missus is going to be about eight and a half months. <laughs> and if I go to that concert without her, she might hurt me because she would love to see Lauren Hill. But I guess you I got to do it. You can like stream it like Facebook Live or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll stream it on Facebook Live or watch your Instagram pictures go up. <laughs> 
I mean, she has all the CDs. It's just like you know, it's the same thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play the Miseducation of Lauren Hill on my, uh, on my iPhone. Just like, just, just sob out, just mad because I couldn't go to the concert. Yeah, but that, but in, seriously though, that is promising though. That it sounds like they heard the feedback and kind of you know created a little bit more of a diverse. Uh, you know, performing artists, uh, you know, in the schedule because it seemed a little rough in the beginning, but I guess that's probably the case with any new facility. Man, I, I bought my tickets for kids box since they announced it. Yeah, no, I mean, I you no, I mean that one's that one's great. I'm not even talking about that one. So, um, but anyway, so we'll wrap up there, and uh, we will go ahead and play our interview with some fantasy projections with Scout.com's Sean Childs. Well, Sean wrote an excellent article, which we'll put in the podcast description, and essentially it's projecting the Jaguars in the fantasy football realm going into 2017. So we'll kind of start out with the running back position, and we were chatting a little bit about this before we got started um since the jaguars backfield is a little cluttered with chris ivory and tj yeldon and the fact that Fournette's a rookie um what sort of value do you put on a guy like leonard Fournette, and where would he be ranked or drafted amongst other running backs in the league right now um i think i've seen a couple of drafts in the high stakes market and he kind of goes in a 12 team draft of ppr league on kind of on the two three turn um probably maybe a eighth running back maybe off the board. I, I'm not for sure of that number, but, um, you know, people are respecting him, you know, pretty well. And I think that, um, you know, rightly so. I mean, I think you, like you said, one of your partner there mentioned, uh, you know, about having an offensive line and Barry Sanders and him, but, uh, you know, in the back of my head, I always think is that, you know, does the quarterback or the running back make the line better sometimes by, you know, the quarterback by the decision-making and the running back by the ability to get through the line quicker to make plays. So, that's the trick here. Uh, you know, does Jacksonville have enough line to provide big enough holes for Fournette to be successful in his rookie year? Right. Yeah, I think Derek, you're you're one to think that that is not the case, correct? Yeah, and 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 Sean, you hit on a good point. Is the quarterback smart enough to recognize certain things that the defense does and put the line in different positions? And if you know the center, are they working in unison? Obviously, we know they're not. So. Uh, hopefully that has improved uh, as this off season going into this season. Um, and it'll be pretty tough shot- for us to tell, by the way, Derek, because when training camp comes around, Coughlin's going to have us looking at the farthest out field to be able to see what progress is being made. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Hey, Sean, I'm a, a big believer in players play a little bit better in contract years. You know, they always tend to stick out a little bit. And Marquise Lee, Think, I'm pretty sure he's got a contract year here coming up. I know in your article you kind of had him as the you had him as the you wrote about him the third wide receiver listed. I think you had him as a WR two B kind of spot. Yeah. Do you think he could jump up a little bit even more? You know, because he showed some definite talent uh, uh, last year, and there was a little bit of chemistry between him and Blake. And if hopefully they can improve. So, what do you think about? Marquise Lee and where he would stand as far as getting to that number two receiver spot. He's definitely an interesting guy. He got drafted kind of early. Um, you thought he would be a, a better player than he was at this point of his career. And, you know, injuries have caught him a couple of times. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for his status, I mean, Hearns, you know, jumped up, you know, getting drafted a lot later and stuff and played pretty well for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, but last year, Hearns gets hurt. Lee kind of steps in and kind of is productive. Uh, maybe he doesn't offer as much 
and it's a touchdown upside, and maybe he's not as much of a big player, but you know, league definitely can do some some things well. Um, it, it, to me, I still think Hearns does those couple of things that makes Bortles better, that will get to give him a better shot. But I'm not for sure that. You know, I mean, um, yeah, Hearns will get as much action this year with Lee moving forward, and even with Westbrook get from the mix. So. Um, for me, he's a nice player. Um, he's an interesting player, especially if, if, friends, if there was one less option in, in the passing game. But overall, I, I think this offense, you know, a couple of years ago, Bortles was pretty good, made some mistakes, but I think this offense is an structure where it could be a lot better this season. Yeah, it seems like uh, Dee Westbrook, that would be kind of a scary pickup for me if I was considering Marquise Lee as a fantasy player just because they're really similar similar guys. And their skill set. So, uh, is that something that would give you a little bit of pause in taking a Marquise Lee? I think Westbrook. I mean, he had a lot, a lot of easy touchdowns. He looked kind of slick. He's a small guy. You know, he can make those big plays and you know, has the right movements that you're looking for. But you know, I, I'm not sure that um, they're going to work the same area of the field at least coming into this year. You know, I could see Westbrook maybe more on the outside, trying to be that deep threat you know, draw the attention of the, the defense, you know, and, and if he can hit on a couple of ways, that makes Robinson, you know, they don't can't double him as much, and that makes everybody down the line a little bit better. So um, it, I think it's an interesting dynamic, you know, even if he just comes in a little bit. But, you know, Lee's the guy who will probably work the closest stuff to the line of scrimmage, and then, you know, once in a while sneak in a big pass. But um, I think, the, you know, overall the structure of the wide receivers is pretty good if stays healthy. Yeah, it definitely, you know, it's when – shown that we can actually run an offense wide receiver is one of the strengths on the offense, if not the biggest strength. So definitely looking forward to hopefully some form of improvement. And, you know, we, as Jags fans, we don't care as long as we, somebody catches the ball. Um, let's flip to defense. Uh, my FSU guy, myself, Sean. So definitely got a big, uh, big fan hat for Telvin Smith with uh, pause moving to the outside for the defensive fantasy leagues. Uh, what about Tevin Smith leading the team in tackles? Uh, he's got a high motor, and I think he definitely can do it. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, he's had over on his 100 sacks, you know, every year in the league. and I mean, 100 tackles every year in the league, you know, five and a half sacks. Uh, last year, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a pretty good, uh, he's a pretty good player. He's helpful. I, I just think that the, the defense – um, there, I think the key by uh, getting Campbell on the defensive line it will help make everybody behind him better. It'll make Fowler better, you know, and obviously he'll just by him clogging up more players up uh, up front on the uh, offensive line. You know, Smith will be able to have a little more freedom on the attack mode, you know, especially against the run game. Yeah, definitely uh, keeping those guards from pulling and getting to the second level. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to see more knifing through and, and making plays, him and Miles Jack, but, you know, Telvin definitely has that natural knack, so. What do you think about the uh, tight end position for the Jaguars coming into this season? Because I know it's a little questionable <clears throat> with Mercedes Lewis. This is going to be a good uh, year for him, a rebound year from an offensive perspective. But then they also picked up Rivera from uh, Oakland as well. So do you see any value in the tight end position for the Jags, or is that kind of just like a questionable spot? I, I pretty much would write it off this year. I mean, Lewis hasn't done much in the last four seasons. You know, he's getting older. I mean, he can sneak in a touchdown once in a while, Rivera. Earlier in his career, did he did pretty pretty good for Oakland when they didn't have many receiving options, and he's probably capable of chipping in a little bit. 
but I don't think they'll be high enough. The, you know, just when you look at the team structure, to me, because the tight end is, to me, is kind of weak, that makes that third receiver much more valuable. So the less targets this wide receiver, I mean, the tight ends will get, the third wide receiver will get. So that, so the third option in the passing game at the receiving positions will be, you know, either, um, uh, you know, it's obviously Hearns or, um, you know, Lee. So I, I think that, I really, I think that the tight ends will get some, but, you know, really a non-factor this year in any fantasy perspective. And I think that, the wide receiver three could be, you know, the guy that catches over 60 passes or something like that. If you had to put your money on it and your career and stick this on your bio page and on your Twitter account as the one breakout fantasy player for the Jaguars this season, somebody that you're super confident that will put up numbers and is a safe and solid pick for, for someone with their fantasy team, what player would you, uh, would you put that up to? If you say nobody, we'll completely understand, John. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's without. I mean, you guys, are, you should be really excited. I mean, Fournette is the real deal. I mean, like, you know, the, the way I wrote it. I mean, I, I don't, unfortunately, because I do baseball so much and I do uh, professional football, I don't have that extra time to follow college closely. I mean, real life gets in the way sometimes of these things. So, right. Sure. You know, I, so I have to, you know, kind of go back, watch some tape, watch these guys, and watch, you know, and, you know, when you follow these guys enough, you become kind of a scout yourself, and that's what, you know, that's why I'm doing it, because I have a good feel for what I'm looking for, and, you know, Fournette has, he has that acceleration, he has, the way I worded it is, he has that, when you get to the line, he has that two-way acceleration, he can either, you know, break it and jam it and go for the home run, or he can just, you know, make that little subtle move and just hit for power and try to break a tackle, and that's pretty impressive to have. And he, and he gets in the open field. Um, he kind of has a, the movements of, you know, what I thought was like Sean Alexander. When you get those defensive backs, you know, turning their back and facing the other direction, and they don't know if he's going to go left or right, and he can move the other way and create those big plays, that's pretty exciting to me. And I think that, you know, Bortles, you know, it's kind of like been kicked around a little bit the last couple of years, um, or last year anyways. I mean, he averaged 6.3 yards per, uh, per pass attempt, which is really down. Um, his, his sacks went down, but, you know, he just jumped the ball over, uh, off quickly and he didn't have any big playability with um, Allen Robinson. He ended up getting double teamed and couldn't break free of the double team. So I think Fournette makes everybody around him better. I think he's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, he's going to be the guy that kind of pushes you in the right direction to be back in the playoffs and, you know, hopefully you don't move to London as we start to over the, you know, <laughs> the air, you know. Well, hey, there. hey, I hope you're right, except up to that London part. No, okay, no, so no, I don't like that prediction. But I, so no, now I won't no, feel I, like a total homer if I take Fournette uh, maybe in the first round in fantasy. That's safe. You're saying okay. Now we need to go ahead and just hang up the call on that one, right? <laughs> well, he's he's going to be a better pass catcher, I think, than people think. I mean, he he made a couple. You know, big plays down the field. He looks like he catched the ball with hands. I mean, he just got to get used to the short stuff. Yeah, yeah. To me, yeah, honestly, I, I don't think the other two backs have, have, will be really in the way at all. I mean, Yeldon, you know, he can catch the ball. He hasn't done much on early downs. He has some talent. He can make some plays and may, maybe get on the field. But he's not impressive enough for me. And he hardly ever played it. And he had a goal line anyways to score. And Ivory's just a grinder and, and a, a good player. And he can do some stuff. And he, even, he did get a little better in and receiving, you know, with Jacksonville and stuff like that. So I just think Fournette does better than everything, and you're just going to, you know, ride this guy to the promised land. So, uh, right. you know, to me it's Fournette and just give him the ball and 
let's see where he goes. Well, and last quick thing is I know I don't know I can't recall what they call this, but like a, a handcuff player, I guess. So in other words, if you take Fournette, you you know based on injuries or whatever concerns you have, you take a you know one of the backups just as sort of like a, a safety precaution in case something happens. Which one of those guys would would you be more likely to? to pick up would it be ivory or yeldon or is that something that you think is still to be determined at this point yeah it's pretty i mean it's if he for not had an injury i think it's ivory all the way he's going to get the lead action and maybe get some catches where you know where right now i would think that if they want to get Fournette and not give him everything right out of the box that yeldon will see some action on third down because that's what he kind of did and you know he still has to prove i mean i think he's you know not not he's still talented and can make some plays and obviously if any if the players the offensive around him, the offensive line was better that Yeldon would make more plays in the passing game. But I think Yeldon, early in the year, will maybe get the passing action. And then, but Ivory is the guy that would be the handcuff for me. Right, right. All right, well, awesome. So we're a little bit more prepared for the upcoming season and for all the uh, the homers out there that are going to take Jaguars players uh, just because it's the right thing to do, uh, just like how I always play with the Jaguars and Madden and get killed, but that's okay. Um, we're going to link up the article so that way you have uh, all the information to make the best decision. And, uh, Sean, again, we really appreciate you taking the time to join the podcast. I hope you guys make the playoffs this year. <laughs> appreciate hey, it. I just want nine wins, man, just a winning season. You know, if we, we don't make the playoffs, as long as we get nine wins, I'll take it. So. You're, you're closer than you think. we appreciate the optimism just let's uh drop the london thing we don't want to hear about that anymore (laughs) all right Sean. Uh, all right take it easy thanks sean have a good night